You're listening to the Rise and Love podcast, where we believe that you get to have love and success in all areas of your life. Your host, Crystal Iram, will help you understand yourself, your relationships, and what's keeping you from having the love, relationship, and life you really want. Week after week, you'll have your mind blown as you learn from experts and listen in on honest conversations to experience mindset shifts and get practical instruction on how to use your mind to support you in getting everything you desire. We'll get to the heart of the matter when it comes to designing and elevating all aspects of love and life. Here's your host, educator, relationship coach, and lawyer, Crystal Iram. Okay, hello. I'm so excited for today's episode. I'm speaking with Amber. Amber, welcome. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Crystal. It's really my pleasure. I am very excited to dig into this. We have never had any conversations about food, about eating, about weight on the Rise and Love podcast. So I'm just very excited to, you know, soak up some of your wisdom. I know that you're such a fountain of knowledge on this topic. So I would love if you would just sort of introduce yourself to my audience and tell them a bit about what you do and how you came to do it. Yeah, definitely. So I am Amber Romaniak. I'm an emotional eating, digestive, and hormone expert, and I support women all over the world to heal their relationships with food and and build food and body freedom, which is really about filling the void, building self-love, learning how to reconnect with themselves, disconnecting from old limiting beliefs and programming um, that's causing them to get into these self-sabotaging behaviors where they're using food as a coping mechanism, where they are fighting with their bodies and their weight, and then the unfortunate thing that happens when you get into these kinds of behaviors is your gut health is horrible. Your hormones go out of whack. It's easier to gain weight. Um, you're bloated, you're tired, your brain fogged, and you're so out of touch with your intuition at this point. So the goal is to bring these women back into alignment, back in connection with their, their souls and their intuition and to heal on a very deep level. And for me, what really brought me to this work nine years ago was just a massive struggle with my own relationship with food and body image from a very young age. And just a few like key highlights that really shaped my reality with food were when I was five, my first day on the bus, the older boys called me fat and ugly. And then that like completely like ruined me. I was so hurt. I was so upset. I took that identity on for like 20 years and I was also then afraid to have boys as friends or like date because I was afraid I would be judged. So that really shaped, you know, a huge limiting belief for me. And then when I was growing up, my mom was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis before I was born. And she had a food addiction that she innocently passed on to me and was always speaking negatively about her body and feeling really insecure and was very overweight. And so I grew up like really insecure. We always revolved everything we did around food because she, I think, felt a lot of guilt because there was a lot of things we couldn't do together because she Mm. would either get like dizzy or tired and just obviously her diagnosis had a really significant impact on her ability to show up, you know, the way that I had hoped she could one day as a mother. And so I think all of that, like really, there was always food available. There was never like, you know, you can only eat these things on the weekend. Like there was junk food everywhere and I could eat it whenever I wanted. And then, you know, you hit your teens and you start listening to music and watching movies and music videos. And you see all these perfectly figured women and you start comparing yourself and you go, how come I don't look like that? What's wrong with me? And I created the story that if I want success, money, love, et cetera, like I've got to look 
like these women, even though they don't even look like that because it's photoshopped. Mm -hmm. So I gathered up all these behaviors and limiting beliefs and started dieting in my teens um, and just carried this deep level of unworthiness. And I'm not going to be good enough until I look a certain way. And then when I was 19, I had my first serious relationship as well. And though the problem was I felt so unworthy that I started revolving my entire life and put all of myself into this person. And then they broke up with me because it was a very unhealthy dynamic. And I literally was so hurt. I couldn't eat. So I lost Mm -hmm. weight really fast, got the goal body that I thought was going to fix everything. Of course it didn't. And then one day I went to a barbecue and I just was like, I can't just eat this salad. Like I want cake. I want all these other things. But then I binged, like I I took everything into the bathroom and like binged to the point where I felt sick. And that was my first memorable binge. And then I just lost complete control from there, like gained 70 pounds in four months. And I was like spending my days, like driving through the drive-thru, going and buying locally made cupcakes and like eating them all and just completely numbing myself from my reality and ended up in this full-blown food addiction, went through binging and purging, like, and now just completely devastated. I'm like 21 years old. I'm the heaviest I'd ever been. I'm alone. I'm broke. I have like no money in my bank account. Why is this my life all of a sudden? But here I am nonetheless, completely self-sabotaging with food like every other night. And so for me, the low point moment that needed to happen, because what happens is we get in these comfort zones. And even though I was suffering, right? Like binging and I was horribly bloated and so much pain and an emotional pain, it was a comfort zone. And when I thought about trying to address it, it was like, yeah, I could try, but I'm afraid. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what the journey is going to look like. There was a massive fear of the unknown. So it's like, I was tolerating this comfort zone of suffering because Mm. it was familiar. And I'm like, who is who am I going to be if food isn't my identity, if obsessing about my body isn't my identity? Wow. But then, you know, like you don't want to suffer. You don't, I, I didn't want to binge. I didn't want to do it, but the addiction and like the pull was so strong in the comfort zone that I, I was afraid to change it. But then one night I binged, I realized the significant impact that it was having on me. I was fearful. I'm like, if I keep doing this, I don't know if I'm going to make 30 because I was so self-destructive with my body. I was concerned what it was doing to like my heart health inflammation, like everything. And I was just afraid, you know, for my life. And I thought I need to try and figure this out. I was like laying on the couch, just in horrible pain, so bloated. But then I was like, you know what, if this is the last time I'm going to do this, there's that all or nothing mentality came up. I might as well eat the rest of the cookies. So I went into the the garbage, like in my kitchen, I'd always throw the food out because I was like, if I throw it out, I'm not going to eat it. But I did that night. And then I ate the cookies out of the garbage can and just sat on the floor, like absolutely embarrassed. And like, Mm. just, I was like, I just ate out of the garbage. Who am I? Like, why is this happening to me? But that moment needed to happen because it was that moment. That's like, I don't care how unknown and fearful I am. Like I cannot sit in this level of suffering and toleration of these behaviors of feeling this unworthy. If I want to like figure my life out, have a relationship, heal, be happy, have abundance of like whatever that path is going to look like. So that really got me on the path of going, like, I need to figure this out and I'm going to figure it out and heal it. And I did through a series of phases of trusting my intuition. There's this voice that's like, I know you don't know, but just like, you're going to figure it out. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. This is amazing. I have so many things now because you said so many things that first of all, just really resonated with me. I mean, even when you mentioned, you know, you having this breakup 
at 19 mm. and then losing a lot of weight. I had the exact same thing. I, when my first breakup, I couldn't eat anything. I literally mm. did not eat a bite for three full days. And then like the next couple of weeks, I just didn't have any appetite. Yeah. And I remembered so vividly because I couldn't eat anything. I had all this adrenaline and anxiety. Yeah. And, you know, I was in college. So it was like, I was always like, am I going to see him at school, like in class or in the dining hall or at a party or whatever. And I didn't see him for a while. And I was, oh, the other thing was I, I could still work out because I had all this anxiety and adrenaline, right? Right. So I didn't see him for like two weeks. And my mom had given me this advice and she was basically like, you can cry to me, you can cry to your girlfriends, but like when you're walking around campus, you walk around like you own the place, which <laughs> I actually still think was excellent advice and like really yes. served me. So when I did pull myself out of my bed, <laughs> I always looked really good. And then I was like, I'd lost weight. And so the next time I saw him, I remember so vividly, I was wearing this purple sweater and I was wearing like little jeans and I was probably 15 pounds less than I'd been when he dumped me. And when he saw me, he did a double take. Mm. And I remember feeling so vindicated. And it was just like, I have a lot of things to ask you about this because I'm really interested because, you know, you mentioned that your first thing came from these, these little boys when you're five years yeah. old, sort of taunting you on the school bus. Like, I'm just like, I, I'm like, I can't believe a five-year-old even conceptualizes what it means to be fat and ugly. Like that breaks my heart having a little girl myself. I'm just like, oh my God, I don't want her to even think about that at five years old. So I want to talk about like, you know, what's sort of happening internally, but also like, why is it that like these external things are so meaningful, especially around food? Like, why is it that like these boys taunting you or that like a breakup would like have such an impact on like our internal life? Yeah, I think a big part of it is because for me and for a lot of the women that come to me, like they never got taught how to be confident or what worthiness is or what self-love is from a young age and how to just flick a comment like that off, right? If someone or a group of people say something like, my parents never taught me, right? And it was innocent. It wasn't their fault, but whoever planned for that to happen, right? So I feel like I wasn't taught those things. And again, like bless my mother's soul. She did the best she could. And she was dealing with a lot on her own plate, but being that she didn't deal with her stuff and take responsibility. And then, you know, had a a massive decline happen as I was growing up. Like, it's like, I needed to just like, in a sense, almost like raise myself and figure out how to be a woman on my own and how to like, because she, there was just certain things she wasn't available for. Yes. She always loved me. And she was always so kind and compassionate. And she taught me a lot, but like, as far as like how to be confident and how to like set healthy boundaries and how to be in my power. Like those are things that like, were not taught unless you have parents that teach you that. So then you grow up, you know, our subconscious, like you said, it's fully open from zero to seven. So we're taking in all these behaviors from our parents, what we're watching on TV, what we're learning in school. And it creates the identity that we have with ourselves in food. So if you grew up with a mother, like I have so many clients that grew up with mothers that were so critical of their bodies and like had weighing themselves multiple times a day with their number measurements in the bathroom. And then the kid is inheriting that and taking it on, or the mother is putting the child on a diet and now shaming the child and poking at their belly. And that sits in your subconscious and you grow up with these memories and beliefs going like, I never want to have a belly again, or like, I need to have such deep control over my weight and food because I don't want to end up like, 
you know, having my family attack me or judge me or other people. Mm-hmm. So we, we take on these identities and then emotional eating is sadly very normalized by the media and by Hollywood, because there's so many memories of movies I have in my head where the girl gets broken up with, or something happens and she's sitting in her bed with the perfect body pretending to eat the ice cream, the box of chocolates. And then you're like, oh, that's what you do. But then you're like, what's wrong with me? Because how come she can eat that and still look like that? But I can't. So there's so much set up against us, I feel like, as women. And then we wonder why we get into these behaviors and habits and don't know how to cope with a breakup in healthy ways or you know, cope if somebody says something that's really hurtful, but doesn't have to be. Oh my gosh. So interesting. It's so true, right? Like we do sort of turn to food for like comfort. Mm-hmm. And it is often like the first, I don't know, the first thing you're going to reach for, like even at the end of like a long day where it's like, oh, I deserve this. Like I deserve yeah. a little bit of a treat. I want to know a little bit about like, not just the emotional eating, but like, why would we actually binge? Like, why are mm-hmm. we going to emotionally eat to the point where like our stomachs are hurting? Yeah. Great question. So like I said earlier, it's not that you actually want to do it, but there's, there's many pieces that actually fuel this behavior. So number one is that a lot of the foods that we are choosing actually have addictive like tendencies that give us such a massive serotonin and especially dopamine, the feel good neurotransmitter that gives you a big pleasure response. Mm -hmm. So if you're eating a lot of refined sugar, like refined sugar is 10 times more addictive than cocaine, especially if you have an emotional relationship to it. So you start eating it, you go from sad, bored, whatever, to all of a sudden happy. And it also numbs and distracts you from feeling the discomfort of the emotions of the unworthiness of having a conflict in the day of being tired, or maybe you're a big people pleaser, all or nothing mentality kind of person and your schedule so overbooked that when you open it, you want to cry and then you need, you need a break. And so you're like, I just need to go, I'm going to eat that chocolate bar. I'm going to eat the ice cream. I'm going to eat the chips. And it just like distracts you and shoves your emotion down for a moment. So part of it is the addictive nature of foods, sugar, MSG, aspartame, like they literally excite and are wired to give us a massive dopamine hit. The second reason we will binge is because we're in an all or nothing mentality and how this is birthed is not feeling worthy and then feeling like I've got to be perfect. I've got to be perfect with my work. I've got to be perfect with my family. I have to hold it together. I have to be strong in front of everyone and not be emotional or vulnerable. If you diet, you are taught the behavior of all or nothing. Cause what are you supposed to do on a diet restrict and follow what the diet says to gain X result. And if you don't, you don't gain the result. So we actually create these all or nothing mentalities through diet behaviors, through the way we were raised, through feeling insecure and needing to be perfect. And so then what ends up happening is you're in this mentality of, I have to eat clean. I have to follow this diet. I have to follow X, Y, Z eating style. And then one day someone brings something into the office that you're quote unquote, not supposed to have, or maybe you forgot your lunch. And so now you're having to go and pick something up and the ego, this negative voice is going, that's not on your plan. So like screw the rest of the day. You might as well just eat whatever you want now. And then you're like free for all. And so you go from this all in to completely all out. And then that can trigger a loss of control with food for the rest of the day that gives you the bloat or that in the moment, say it's like donuts, like my kryptonite used to be Oreos and I would eat one. And then I'd literally want to eat the whole container of them because a, the dopamine hit from the sugar and the other junk in them. And B I'm like, well, I already had one. I've messed up. Like I might as well go all in today. Cause then tomorrow I need to get back on my diet and like, 
be clean again. Like I can only afford to do this for one day. So that's really what fuels the binge is the quality of the food. If you can even call it that a lot of it, but some people binge on healthy things. Cause I was to the point where I was binging on nut butters and bananas. And that's when I realized that it, there was this void, this lack of self-love that I was trying to fill with food that I couldn't. So that's the, I guess my final like piece to this is when we have a massive void, this lack of self-love, we can desire to binge to try and fill it, but it doesn't. Yeah. So what would take someone from binging where they are just in a place where they're just like miserable and bloated and kind of like, oh my God, I can't move maybe for hours, as opposed to someone who then takes on a pattern where they they purge mm-hmm. somehow. Yeah. So I feel like what causes the purge is really a lack of ownership and responsibility. It's like, wow, I've done this. I don't want to feel bloated. It's uncomfortable. Mm. I don't want to gain weight. So for me, the way that I avoid truly fully dealing with this is to purge. And that's like what I used to think and why I did it. It's a full lack of ownership and responsibility. And what people don't realize is it's, it's an even more destructive behavior than just binging. Yes, you're bloated. Yes, you're uncomfortable. But as soon as you're purged, your, your stomach acid is coming into your throat and burning your esophagus. You're damaging your teeth. You're having a significant impact on your heart. Right. And your, your heart health amongst other things. And then the deep guilt and shame you feel after you do that, but that becomes an addiction all in itself. Because if you are in a constant behavior of binging multiple days a week or, you know, in the month, and then you create a pattern in your brain. So you binge and then the part of your brain lights up and goes, Oh, now it's time for you to purge because this is what you do. So your, your body doesn't recognize good neural pathway habit wiring from bad. It just goes, Oh, you binged pattern lighting up. Now you purge. So there's that element in the brain chemistry. And then there's also this, I don't want to feel this. I don't want to deal with it. So I'm just going to get rid of it. Wow. Yeah. That's really intense. It is intense. So if you are realizing that you are an emotional eater, or maybe it's like very clear because you do binge, what would be like the smallest or like the first steps that you might take when you're like, oh, I'm an emotional eater. And I think this would especially be for someone who maybe isn't overweight, right? Because obviously you can have these things without becoming overweight and it might be easier to like not recognize that you have these really unhealthy patterns of behavior relating to food. Yeah, you're right. And you do not have to be overweight to be deeply in these behaviors. A lot of the women that reach out to me 90% of the female population has, or is struggling with some level of this. And you would never guess because yes, some are overweight, but some aren't. And it's obviously not a judgment either way, but yeah. So the first thing to pay attention to is to actually gain clarity of emotional versus physical hunger because they're very different. So when you're feeling called to go to the cupboard or eat more of whatever, you're like, screw it. I've had a bad day. You're the justification of reward before you go to the food. Start practicing asking yourself, is this physical? Do I actually need to physically nourish my body? And what is physical hunger? Your stomach's growling. You've looked at the clock and noticed it's been a few hours since you've eaten. Maybe you've skipped a meal. Your blood sugar's plummeted. So you're like hangry, dizzy, lightheaded, faint, right? You're like, I really need to eat. Those are physical hunger signs. You get a hunger signal. Otherwise, emotional eating is any reason for eating other than physical nourishment. So boredom, you associate eating and watching TV, eating and working, you're eating on the run because you quote unquote, don't have time to eat and just pause. 
you're sad, you're tired, certain hormone and gut imbalances can be emotional eating triggers. So it's really starting to pause and go, do I think this is physical? Do I actually need to nourish my body? Okay, no, I can rule out physical hunger. I know this is emotional and start a list in a journal, start writing down your triggers. That's what I started to do when I was trying to figure out what was going on. I had this massive list and then I would start to go into and go, okay, like what on this list is causing me to feel this way right now? And it started to help me build awareness. That's really the first step is building awareness and trying to remove yourself from the food as soon as you can to gain clarity of what's going on. And then ideally, depending on what the trigger is, can you give yourself something? So if it's dehydration, can you hydrate? If you're tired, can you go to bed earlier? If it is emotional, is there a self-care tool that you can get into like journaling or breath or yoga or walking or meditation to help you ground and get out of your head and get present? Um, so these are things that you can start to explore over time, but that's definitely a first step to look at. And if this is something that you're like, I've tried that a million times and it's not working for me, I definitely encourage getting support because it is a multi-layered, very complex behavior, whether you're full-blown binging and purging, or it's just minimal emotional eating, like the guilt and the anger and the frustration and the shame that you constantly feel afterward because you can't figure out how to stop it has a significant impact on your mental health, your physical health, your energetic, like everything. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is very interesting. So what I'm wondering, if you're someone maybe where you're used to having sort of very restrictive eating because you're kind of constantly trying to lose weight. So like you're always Mm -hmm. going on a diet, but you're also an emotional eater. So I'm guessing it's probably Mm -hmm. a common thing that people who are always dieting do become emotional eaters or become bingers because they have restricted, restricted, restricted. And then they're like, oh my God, I want everything. Yes. That's the all or nothing. Right. So can you start to move to this place where you have greater awareness if you do still have a desire to lose weight or is the idea to sort of move away from um, the idea of losing weight totally? That's a great question. So the key is ditching diets because they don't work. They mess up your metabolism. It's probably messing up your hormones and doing more harm than good about healing your relationship with food, overcoming the emotional eating, the binging, whatever is going on for you, because that's actually causing the massive stress on the inflammation, hormone issues, gut issues, your mindset. Like if you're constantly at war with your body and negative self-talk, your cells respond to that. Your body's going to hang on to the weight and protect because she doesn't feel safe. And what I like to do is yes, of course you, you are worthy to lose the weight, but let's take the focus off of that and get curious if weight is a protective mechanism and your body's hanging onto it because she doesn't feel safe, let's actually focus our energy on the blocks. Why is she hanging on? And let's help your body to feel safe and heal those things. And the beauty of it is when she's ready, you don't need to diet, restrict or do crazy exercise. It just literally falls off. I went through that and my, that's the experience my clients go through. This is really interesting because I feel like what you're, what you're talking about and like the way you're describing things, you know, I feel like people could easily come to you because they're just like, I want to lose weight. What I'm doing isn't working. And it's like, that's what people really want. That's like the sexy result that you end up with. Mm. But it's like the way you're describing it, it's pretty much all emotional and like self-love and worthiness and safety. It's like, yeah. I, I mean, my work, it's like you do exactly what I do, but with food, whereas I do it for yeah. love. Like people come to me and it's like the sexy thing is like, I have this amazing boyfriend or I got engaged in less than a year. And it's like, yeah, it's really doing the work on yourself though. 
Yeah, hundred percent. And the other interesting thing that people don't realize is you can eat as clean as you want and exercise as much as you want. But if you have a thyroid issue or high cortisol or high estrogen or like significant inflammation in the body, your body will not easily lose weight because there are massive stressors happening that need to be addressed. So that's also, I don't be hard on yourself. If you're like frustrated because you can't lose weight because there's likely more than one block that is interfering and your body just wants to take you on the journey to like figure out what those things are. Mm. How would someone know if there was um, more of a, what would that be a physiological issue? Yeah. So to me, it's like, if you have heavy fatigue, your eyebrows are thinning, you have hair loss, you're tired all day. You have cold hands and feet. You, you don't have a hunger signal. Those are significant signs of underactive thyroid, which is thyroid and metabolism are very connected. And it feels very difficult to lose weight when you have underactive thyroid. 90% of my clients have that. I had that too. If you are heavily brain fogged, if you gain weight in the abdominal, if you're craving lots of salt and sugar, and you feel like you're just puffy everywhere and retaining a lot of water, those are signs of cortisol issue, which is your stress hormone, like adrenal fatigue. So there's different signs and symptoms that we can start to look at. And then hormone testing, like I do hormone testing with all of my clients, because I want to see what's going on. And out of the 11, 1200 women I've worked with, not one of them have come back with good blood work the first time. So it's important to look at that and gut health. And then yes, the mindset, the negative self-talk, overbooking your schedule, people pleasing to get validation, being in all or nothing mentalities. That's what's causing the weight gain because you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off, like giving to everyone else and not giving to yourself. And what that does is causes stress response, Mm. right? So we need to address those things. Yeah. I want to switch gears a little bit. Yeah. I would love to talk about um, some of the common ways that you see like a thread between these things that are coming up with food and how they play up in relationship or mm. or in dating. I mean, I guess I'm really yeah. interested to see how they might play up in relationship and maybe any patterns that you've noticed, you know, with your focus on women in food and like maybe the kind of relationships they choose or the kind of men that they're choosing. Oh, a hundred percent. So what I see a lot of is, and I went through this too, I was attracting a lot of guys with alcohol issues when I was struggling Whoa. with my food issue because- hello mirror, right? Yeah. Why wouldn't you? So I was attracting all these men that were not only unavailable because I was as well, because I felt unworthy, but they were struggling with alcohol issues or some kind of like a substance issue. Um, and then it's funny because when they would break up with me, they'd be like, I don't feel good enough. And then I'm like, but I don't either, but what, this makes no sense. I want to be with you. So that's very common that my clients see. And then the other thing is I find that they have, my clients have a lack of boundaries in their relationships because they've been the people pleaser. They need validation from their partner because they don't feel good enough. And so they're literally doing everything like almost over mothering, right? To the point where the man no longer feels in his masculine, like he serves a big purpose because the woman's like, I'm independent. I can do it all. And yes, it's great to be independent, but I feel like there's also a level of like, let your partner like also you know, take care of you in an essence in some ways too. But when you're people pleasing, because you need validation from others and you, you feel like you need to take care of everything, there's a massive level of guilt that you feel when you start asking for help from your partner, like help with kids or like whatever it is, because it's like, this is so uncomfortable. I'm supposed to be doing everything. And now I'm supposed to start taking care of myself. Guilt, guilt, guilt is a massive like emotion tied to this people pleasing 
But again, what's below all of that is feeling unworthy. So I see women in their relationships start to speak their truth, ask for help, like step into their power. And like the, the, whoever it is finds it very attractive because now they're stepping into their confidence. They feel better. They're sleeping better. They have more energy. They're not binging and overeating all the time because they're stressed. And then the other pieces, because she's taking ownership, she's no longer projecting as much on him. It's there's less conflict, right? Less arguing. Mm -hmm. And now he's wanting to step up and like, do more of his inner work, not because she's telling him to, but because she is more in her power and he wants to stay on the same page. Wow. So that's beautiful. I love yeah. that. I wonder if you encounter sort of the opposite where it's like, she starts feeling better and like getting in a better place. And either he's like putting her down or being yeah. like, no, you're still fat or just like kind of yeah. not liking that she might be becoming more confident maybe in like, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, I have seen that too, where the woman gets in and it's very uncomfortable for him because he's not willing to take ownership for his stuff. And now she no longer tolerates him projecting his stuff on her mm -hmm. and that she's healing and now pointing things out. So I have seen that and I have seen it complete relationships that were no longer in alignment, of course, which is a good thing. Um, and it does also help the woman to realize, wow, like if I'm in this relationship and he's not willing to do his part, I don't think that there's a, a place for this to move forward. And sometimes then they do want to obviously do the work, but yeah, it's, there's a, like a judgment, like how, or, you know, for some of them, it's like, you spent all this money. How come you haven't lost the weight yet? And it's like two Oof. months in, and it's like, cause there's deep binge eating and like severe like hormone issues that are going to take a year to change. Like the body can only heal so fast, but there's all this judgment because obviously the man has a money story and he just assumes, well, why don't you just do another diet for a hundred dollars and lose the weight? Like there's a lack of understanding of the depth of this journey. Cause either he's not willing to look at it or he's obviously doesn't live in her body and understand fully what she's going through. Wow. Yeah. So interesting. Okay. So I want to ask two more questions that are particularly interesting and relevant to me. Um, so, you know, for any of my listeners where there's just, isn't where you are in your life, that's okay. I'm sure it'll still be really interesting because I'm wondering about sort of how things shift, you know, as a woman's going through pregnancy and postpartum, mm. you know, and I'm pregnant right now. I'm about a little over five months pregnant. Um, and this is my second pregnancy in two years. You know, I was pregnant with my daughter in 2020. So it's been, it's, you know, it's a lot. And a, a lot has come up for me, you know, with the the shifts in my body. And so I'm wondering when you work with women and you've been able to help them have this greater awareness of like the patterns that they're following when it comes to their eating, you know, how pregnancy or postpartum might sort of like derail them maybe, or mm. what kind of new things that like you see that bring up? Yeah. So it brings up this whole, like, oh my gosh, now I have to work more deeply on self-acceptance because obviously with pregnancy it does come some weight gain, but I feel like it's also another powerful opportunity to really bring in nutrition and supplements and self-care and things to help manage your nervous system and your hormones, even as you're growing a child that you can still really take incredible care of yourself. I know like depending on morning sickness and there's lots of factors that can happen, but I think a key belief for us to work on as women, or this is just my opinion, I mean, take it or leave it 
I don't see pregnancy as an excuse to go like, now I'm just going to have a free for all with food and like eat whatever I want, whenever I want and like gain a hundred pounds. Like that to me is an all or nothing, like more emotional justification to just self-sabotage. And I personally don't believe we should do that. Like we want to overcome that self-sabotage. Even when you are pregnant, you can still do it. I've had so many clients get pregnant working together because now their hormones are regulating and it's actually easy for them. And so we help them to overcome the emotional eating while we're working together. We work a lot on the body image to inner child's connection, inner child healing for the person, and then have them connect with their womb more. It's very emotional and it's beautiful though, because what they realize is they can go through this experience of their body changing and they can be very present and have a lot of deep love and gratitude. And then when they have the baby, they can be well supported with their gut health, hormone health. Even if they're breastfeeding, there's a lot we can do. And then they're not emotionally eating, which takes a massive stressor off. And then once they're done breastfeeding, we can rebalance the hormones and do all the things. And it makes it a lot easier to realign the body, but also there's such a deep love and acceptance for the gift of being able to have and carry the baby that I feel like there's a more of a detachment of like, I need to look exactly like I did before I had the baby. Right. Yeah. And, and this deep appreciation you're, I believe we all have a natural set point. And I believe if your body's in a state of balance, it, you should be able to get back pretty close, but without pressure and without extreme actions. Mm, very interesting. So, you know, I personally have very, very severe morning sickness. I had hyperemesis mm. with my first pregnancy. It seems like I have the same with this pregnancy. So I've had a lot of vomiting um, yeah. and a lot of nausea. And for the first probably 17, 18 weeks, I was mostly in bed because yeah. I was really, it was almost all day. And now I'm uh, 22 weeks and I still vomit about once a day, usually in the evenings. Starting around eight o'clock, my nausea gets really intense. And so I, I, I know that a lot of times my, my dinner is not going to stay down. Mm-hmm. So it's been like, it's like an interesting thing. Cause you know, when you're talking about like supplementing and, you know, providing really good nutrition for the, like for the first portion, I'm really just like, I'll eat anything that may stay down or anything that doesn't sound right. repulsive, like anything yeah. where I can get any sort of enjoyment from my eating. But one of the things that's really interesting that I noticed is that it's pretty much the only time as a woman in our lives where like, we're fine having a belly. And obviously not every woman feels that way, but like, I'm just like, huh, I can let my belly just like be where it is. Like, yeah. I don't worry about sucking in. And I just notice where I'm like, I don't care if I'm sucking in. Right. And it's funny. Cause I see there's a lot of women in, in my space right now that are pregnant and I see them on Instagram. And it's funny cause they're showing off their belly. Some of them are trying to show their belly at 12 weeks, 14 weeks, 15 weeks. And it's like, there's no belly yet. Like it's mm-hmm. like, there's nothing there that you can tell they're like pushing out. They, you know, kind of like arching their back. Like they want to have a belly. And it's just like, you've spent your entire twenties, thirties, forties trying to not have a belly. And now it's like, you're yeah. trying so hard and it's like, it's not there yet. And whenever I see that, I'm always just like, don't worry. Like your belly will pop. Like it will be there, <laughs> you know? And it's like with the second pregnancy, my belly's been out much, much sooner. Um, with my first one, I didn't look properly pregnant. So probably about six months, you know, and then you're in this weird kind of in-between space. So first it's just like your stomach looks flat. You just look like you're pushing out your tummy. And then you're in this phase where it just looks kind of like bloat. It's kind of like, are you bloated? Are you pregnant? <laughs> you know. And then it looks like a proper pregnant belly. Um, but I just noticed sort of like the freedom of feeling like I can let my belly go. I don't need mm-hmm. to suck in. I'm not going to worry about the jeans not yeah. fitting. 
So even without going to a place of like, oh, I'm going to eat whatever I want all the time, or like I'm eating for two, which I've understood is unfortunately not really the case. Yeah. (laughs) There is still a little bit of like, oh, I can just let go now. Yeah, of course. And I think it's so important to like, you know, if you think about getting pregnant and look back on it, like, what do you not want to regret? And I know I wouldn't want to regret being critical of my body and being hard on myself. Like I want to be as loving and nurturing with myself and the whole experience as you can. Like, even if you're going through the morning sickness and all those things, like, it's good that you're just, you're gentle, you stay in bed, you don't try and push yourself, but you know, you want to look back and have a beautiful memory. It's, it's like people, you know, you go to an event and you're like, Oh, I wish I was dress size smaller, but now you're going to just remember that event and the regret you had. And that's why it's so important to do this deeper work so that you can try to be more present and embrace each leg of your experience. Even if there is suffering through morning sickness or some kind of a symptom that you're having or getting comfortable with having the belly, because the more you do this deeper work, the more you can surrender with what is and accept the present moment. And that's where you find your power. And then when you have the baby and then you can be in present moment with like the next part of the process with your body. So Mm -hmm. that's why this is key because we should be able to just let go and embrace the moment while still being aware of that. You hopefully to some extent can take care of yourself again with the morning sickness. That's not fun, but at least you're resting and not right. Like trying to be like, okay, I've got to go and do all this stuff. And I'm just gonna take a bag with me, like rest and honor your body. Yeah. Okay. So this is my last, my last question. And then I want to make sure that my audience hears sort of how they can find you and everything. But, you know, you mentioned something earlier about sort of the impact that your mother and her relationship to food had on you. And and we've sort of talked about things sort of around that. So, you know, I know that there are a lot of women who do have kids that listen to this mm-hmm. podcast. Um, and obviously I'm I'm the mother of a toddler. You know, so I'm wondering, you know, what we can do as mothers to help with that. You know, I've been learning a lot more about like eating for toddlers because that's very relevant to my life and sort of taking a different approach than our parents took, which was like, you have to clear your plate and like, just take yeah. one more bite. And, and, you know, with my daughter, I'm very like kind of hands-off. It's kind of like, here's the food that's in front of you. You eat the things you like, you don't eat the things that you don't like. And I don't really comment on it too much. And she's little still, she's, you know, not even a year and a half, but she's not a picky eater at this point. Now, you know, toddlers, she could become a picky eater tomorrow. So I'm not going to take too much credit yet. But it is interesting to see her just sort of like enjoying food and that she is willing to try things when I just like take a very hands-off approach. So I'm wondering, you know, what other kind of things as mothers we can do, not just for toddlers, but for our kids in general, Yeah, you know, short of healing ourselves, like in addition to healing ourselves and healing our own relationships with our bodies and food. A hundred percent. So the first thing is be aware of the way you're talking about yourself and food and your body around your kids. The second thing is get them in the kitchen, get them making the recipes with you, cooking with you, getting to know the ingredients. Like that's one thing I'm so grateful for. Like my mom got me cooking and baking from a young age. And it really helped me, especially when I started to heal my relationship with food and experimenting with different ingredients. Right. And that you can show them that nutrition can be fun, can have a lot of variety. It doesn't, there's no restriction. Like I can bake brownies or cookies or a loaf and put the most beautiful ingredients into it not feel restricted, but also not have a sugar rush, right? Mm -hmm. So get them in the kitchens at a young age. And also I I agree. I love the whole thing of sitting, letting them pick and choose what they want to eat and then leaving the rest. I think we need to ditch the eat everything that's on your plate 
that doesn't help the child learn to understand what full feels like. I also think a great habit that is important is eating at the kitchen table without the TV, without computers, without phones, connect as a family, connect with your, your kids and, and yourself. And that's how you build mindful eating practice. Because if there's TVs on, we're not paying attention. We're mindlessly eating. That's when we overeat. And that's when we start building unhealthy habits. So I have that boundary, even though I don't have kids, like in our household, like there's no technology ever on when we're sitting Mm. and eating and it's great. Yeah. Yeah. So I think those are great habits to as mothers and then to pass on to the kids. Yeah. I feel like it's an interesting thing with like the, Oh, let's not waste food, you know? And I, I say, I'm not a waste receptacle. Like, and I, I, yeah. I say it out loud sometimes when I notice myself thinking that, oh, I can't waste this food. And it's like, I'm not a waste receptacle. Like it's not, mm-hmm. not wasted because it's being forced into my stomach. But I say it out loud sometimes when I'm like reminding myself, you know, like someone said something to me the other week and I was like, I'm not a waste receptacle. Mm-hmm. And they laughed. They thought it was so funny. And I was like, but it's true. But like, that is the mindset that like definitely around my age. And I think probably, yeah. you know, a lot of people definitely people who are older. Yes. That was very much the mentality. Like you're wasting food if you don't eat at all. And I'm just like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, Well, you can always put it leftovers, right? Or like freeze it. Maybe like there's other things you can do with it, but it's important for the people that are in the mentality to shift it. Cause that's a lack mentality and like a whole other conversation, but it, yeah, it builds unhealthy relationship with food. Yeah, totally. So this has been very eye-opening and very, very uh, insightful and interesting for me personally. Um, you know, these are just like a lot of questions that I, I haven't had someone to ask. So I really appreciate your coming on here. So yeah, tell the people how they can find you and like what they should do if they're interested in what you have to say and maybe want to know more about you and your work. Yeah. So, and thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Um, so you can find me on my website at amberapproved.ca. I have a free emotional eating quiz there. So if you're wondering if you are struggling, definitely take that. If you know you are loving the conversation and you want to reach out and connect, I offer a 30 minute body freedom call. It's 50 USC. You fill out a form book in, we can connect and talk about support. I also am on Instagram. And it's my name, Amber Romaniak, R-O-M-A-N-I-U-K. And I have a podcast as well called the No Sugar Coding Podcast, which of course, Crystal, you have graced us with your presence on that too. So you can come and subscribe on any app and on my website. Amazing. And don't worry, I will make sure that all of this is linked in the show notes. So uh, if you didn't catch all of that, I will make sure that you can find it really easily. So Amber, once again, thank you so much. This was really delightful. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Check out the show notes and be sure to tune in next time to the Rise and Love podcast.